Again, it's a wonderful blessing to be here. Uh, I count it a huge privilege. Uh, God's at work here, and it's exciting to see God bless Brother Brad and to bless this church. Very much enjoy the revival. Uh, it's good to see God working in and through Brad. We kind of indirectly grew up together. I was at his ordination, actually sitting in the back feeding Dad the questions. Not, I really wasn't, but as Dad was interrogating him, and Dad found him strong, uh, sound in the faith. And it's a blessing to see him being mightily used here at Old Union. I pray that God will bless him with fruitful labor. Uh, the preacher was right in 1987. If you want to find a preacher that will tell you what you want to hear, you can do that quite easily. But thank God for those preachers that will stand and boldly proclaim, thus saith the Lord. You've got one of those in Brad, and I'm going to try to do that this morning. So if you would, take your Bibles and turn me to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Only two have died for your freedom. The American soldier and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He paid for our ransom. He went to the cross where he died as our vicarious substitutionary sacrifice. He freely laid down his life that we might live. As his people, he gives us his word. He's given us his spirit that we would live in and through him, that apart from him we could do nothing, but with him all things would be possible. Here in John chapter 8, he confronts a problem that we find very rampant today. It's a text that we're very familiar with. It's a text that's probably used a lot uh, on Sunday before Memorial Day. The truth shall set you free, and when the Son has made you free, ye shall be free indeed. See, there's only two choices. Either you've been set free by the grace and mercy of the Lord, been born again by His Spirit, have been born from above, have the life of God in, in your soul, or you don't. There's no middle ground. There's no fence to straddle. You're either completely in Christ with saving faith, or you're completely outside of Christ. And the problem we have today in the South, particularly the Bible Belt, is if it looks like a duck and it walks like a duck and it smells like a duck, we're supposed to call it a duck. Problem is, many people try to call it a church member. I'm sorry, we know that we won't realize perfection till heaven. There will be in perfect conformity to Christ. But the truth is, the Bible clearly teaches, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. There will be evidences of saving faith that will manifest itself. We sang America the Beautiful. And the doctrine that made the most change, if it were not for this doctrine, not only would we not be going to heaven, there wouldn't be an America. And that's the doctrine of the new birth. There were two preachers, George Whitfield and Jonathan Edwards, that were on the catalyst. And now they weren't missionary Baptists, and we could fault them in different points of their theology. But they powerfully preached, you must be born again. Actually, two of those men were kicked from their pulpits. They were kicked out. Why? Not necessarily for holding to the new birth, but for preaching that if there has not been a radical change in the mind, in the heart, in the emotion, and in the will, you have not been born again. Times have not changed. 
Here Jesus is talking to Jews and we see the same problem that we have today. You see, like the COVID vaccine, many people have been exposed to just enough truth that they remain inoculated, vaccinated, and have never experienced the real deal. How sad. Jesus said many shocking things, and one of the most shocking things he said is that there's going to come a day in Matthew 7 when many, not few, when many will say unto me, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this and didn't we do that? He said, I will say unto them, depart, I never knew you. He spoke that to the religious crowd. He wasn't saying that to what we would think of as the, the, the way evil pagans. No, he was saying those who went to church every Sunday. He was saying that to people who, though they went to church and though they acted religious, their hearts, meanwhile, resisted and rejected the gospel. Read with me in John chapter 8. We're going to begin in verse 31. In verse 31, we read, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. Now that sounds good, but the problem that you need to notice is when you study a text, you need to notice the context. As we continue reading, as these people continue talking, it's more and more obvious that they simply did not have true saving faith. I'm thankful for that Sunday school lesson that was taught today. You nailed it. A man can believe intellectually, and yet if it has not changed his life, let me say it this way, I don't care what kind of experience you have with God, what kind of peace you say you have with God. If it did not change your life, you did not experience salvation. Have you ever tried to witness to the cults? Have you ever tried to witness to a Muslim? They'll tell you about prayer, and they'll tell you about some kind of peace with God, but my friend, they're missing it falls short because their lives have never been changed. They b miss out on the marks. Jonathan Edwards wrote in his book, Dissertation, The Distinguishing Marks, that assurance is never based upon a past experience, but requires the present work of the Holy Spirit. In other words, let me say it this way. I'm thankful that there was a preacher who came out of Old Union when I was 11 years old, a hard-hearted sinner. You say, well, how bad can you be at 11? I had a lot of baggage. My daddy preaching moved us away from my grandparents, and I want to be with my grandparents. And I, I listened to some of the best preachers. But all the while, I rejected it. I hardened my heart to it. I don't care how strong you preach it, I ain't moving. Well, there was a preacher who came out of Bowling Green. He started pointing me to the law of God how that it was my sins that put Christ upon the cross, how that I had personally offended God, that it wasn't easy. And I take issue with anyone who says that the gospel or salvation is easy. It is not. That preacher preached an impossible standard, that God was absolutely holy, that I was totally sinful, and that the only way it could ever be made right is to go to Jesus Christ and for him to do in me what I could never do in and of myself. It took me a long time to figure out that. You talk about being easy or hard. No, Jesus himself said it is what? Impossible. It's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. It's not easy or hard. It's quite frankly, it's impossible. 
It requires the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit to put the life of God in the soul. And when it is, that life will be changed. To say you have experienced the gospel and your life not to be radically changed would be like being on I-65, being run over by a semi-truck going 100 miles an hour, not looking any different. Right? You come in and say, oh, I got ran over by a semi-truck. Really? You look no different. It made no difference in your life. We would scratch our heads at that. So it is with religion without righteousness. So it is with those who claim Christ but don't possess Christ. There's a huge difference between believing the right things and actually entrusting Jesus Christ with your eternal life. It required laying everything out at his feet. Now, if you were to ask me when I was 11 years old, do you believe the gospel? Yeah, absolutely. I believe Jesus went to the cross. He died for my sins. He's the Savior. I believe in God. The problem is I didn't see how it made any difference to me. It laid on a superficial level. But I thank God that revival in 1994, not knowing what that preacher was going through, not knowing anything about Old Union Church, it became very, very, very real. I found trouble and sorrow. The pains of hell got a hold upon me. Man, I'm telling you, I died on that altar in Memphis. But in his place came a boy with a life that came and was bought by the blood of the Lamb. It was totally different. All things were made new. Here, Jesus is talking to these Jews who, but it says here in, in verse 31, they, they, which believed on him. If ye continue in my word. You see, that if is a conditional clause. If then. If then. If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. In other words, they hadn't yet become his disciples. In other words, this belief that they had on him was not saving faith, but intellectual assent. Just like we learned in Sunday school. They agreed with what he was saying. The problem was is they had not been changed by it. If ye continue. Discipleship is not a second ring. You don't get saved and become a disciple. No. Jesus said if any man. And here's something about the Bible. We know it all means all. Any means any. Whosoever means whomsoever. And thank God it does. Right? For God so loved the world that whomsoever, I'm thankful it says whomsoever because you know on Facebook there's other Aaron Binions. Hopefully they're weirder than me, but I don't know. But it says whomsoever, and I thank God for that. Jesus clearly said uh, the one who issued the call laid down the commands, and he said, if any man come after me, let him first deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. In other words, Jesus is not your Savior if he is not your Lord. In the book of Acts alone, Lord, 90 times, and Savior, two or three. Saving faith requires renouncing the stubborn will, hearing the law of God being crushed in the spirit. And thank God I experienced that, a broken heart and a contrite spirit. <laughs> he dwelleth with them. He, he, he saveth such of a broken heart and a contrite spirit. 
Thank God that the word of God is the dynamite. The power of the gospel is the dynamite that will smash the proudest of hearts, bring them low to the point where they call upon the Lord and in repentance and faith experience what only God can do because salvation is of the Lord in the new birth. That's Baptist Truth 101. Here he's talking to Jews who had not experienced that. He says, and ye shall know the truth. Epikonosko in the Greek, it is experimental knowledge. And the truth shall make you free. Lord, help me get out of the way. Lord, please speak to your people today. God, help us to understand the frustration and pains of our day. God, help us to center upon the truth of the gospel. Amen. When I was in middle school, my dad went to preach in Mexico. He went to preach in Mexico, and he brought me back a fake Rolex. Anybody have a fake Rolex? Man, I thought that thing was so cool until I took it to school. And my eighth grade teacher, Mrs. Leonard, owned a jewelry store. Okay, I brought in this watch. I'm like, yeah, look at this. I'm bling, bling, you know. The teacher looked at that, and she said, that ain't real. I mean, it wasn't even two seconds. I said, what do you mean? See, Miss Leonard owned a jewelry store. And Miss Leonard had spent so much time with a genuine article that when it was compared side by side to that thing that daddy got out of Mexico, she knew good and well that thing wasn't real. Well, I knew too. I just didn't want to admit it, you know? I mean, you say, well, where are you going with that, preacher? I'm saying, well, that I have suffered more. I almost feel like that. you like that? Everybody wake up now. They say Whitfield moved around a lot too, David. All right. The problem is, okay, we grow up with people, and I have suffered more at the hands of people who claim Christ than I ever did talking to people about the Lord out in the world. You say, what what explains that, preacher? They didn't have what I had. Blab and grab, name and claim. I'm telling you, you ain't got the gospel till it's made a difference in your life. And side by side, there will be distinguishing marks. Like many of you, I grew up hearing a lot of the truth you did. Well, how will you know? Right? I was 11 years old. Daddy, how will I know? I mean, you're supposed to be a preacher. Won't you help me? How, how will I know? Well, you'll just know. Did you know that there's an entire book in the, in the Bible that was written so that you will know that you have believed? 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13 says... John said, I have written unto you who believe in the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life. Now, there are 10 marks, at least 10 marks, and I know I don't have time, that are the distinguishing mark of somebody who says they have been born again. I'll go with two. If you take notes, at least write down these two. Number one, it is the desire, the want to. You want to. You want to. It's the want to to obey his commands. In other words, you don't get saved and live your life how you want to. In other words, you don't live your life and say, well, it's up to me now. No, there's a permanent attachment to Jesus Christ. And you may go through some stuff, but I'm telling you, he will chastise those he loves. Went through some stuff this year, went to a hole, and many of you were so good to me, but I wanted to give it up, man. I threw my Bible on the ground. I did. That's just probably a sin. It wasn't a week later and God got a hold of me. What are you doing? There's a permanent attachment, a desire to obey his word, his commandments. And number two, there's perseverance. 
We believe this badness in the perseverance of the saints that we don't keep ourselves. Rather, it is his holy, righteous, omnipotent hand that keeps us. That when we go through the fire, our feet won't be burned. That he leads us, that he guides us, that he protects us. We know in whom we have believed and are fully persuaded that he will deliver us that day. That it is he, Jesus Christ, who will keep our feet from falling. That our faith was never in and of ourselves, but because of that, it's all in him. Even when we are faithless, he remains faithful. Why? For he cannot deny himself. Endurance. Endurance. Jesus warned us it's a problem we don't want to talk about. It's a problem we don't want to address. But Jesus talked about this over and over and over again. He taught that there were four types of soils, and only that soil that understood, heard, and obeyed was actually converted. Then he added that you won't understand any of the parables until you understand that basic truth. That alongside the wheat, there would be tares. That alongside the good fish, there's bad fish. That right next to the foolish there would be the wise, that there would be a broad road that many would follow, and there'd be a narrow road that we need to strive to enter in. That those contrasts would be with us until he came back. He said, what are we supposed to do? Many people say, well, you don't want people to question it. Oh, yes, you do. Apostle Paul said, examine yourself. See if you be in the faith. Would you rather deal with it now when it's unpleasant? Or wait till the day of judgment when it's too late. See, this is a truth that breaks me. I know that I don't give a good appearance at anything, but my heart breaks. Because I grew up four generations of missionary Baptists, and many of the people who were closest to me, my friends, some family members, man, they said they got something, and by the very way they lived their lives, it's a lie. I started going that way. He said, well, that's not loving to check. And, and people love that verse out of Matthew 7, judge not, lest ye be judged. Uh, yeah, that ain't the context. The context is this, don't give the gospel to swine. Now that I'm not passionate, I've been studying barbecue. <laughs> Anybody else like barbecue? I like barbecue. Uh, yeah, made me some salmon yesterday. Good deal. All right. Here's the thing about pigs. You know why they go back to the mire? Peter said, it's true of the proverb, the dog goes to the vomit, the pig goes to the mire. Why does he do that? Not because he's a dirty animal, not because he's a dumb animal, but he goes back to the mire because it cools its flesh. It feels good to him. Here's the thing. If the Holy Spirit of God be within you, you cannot, cannot continue to sin. Why? Because it becomes very uncomfortable. Now, sure, we battle sin. Here's the deal, though. If I said, you know what, this morning, I'm a painter. And you come to my house, you look at my ceiling, You'd be like, I don't think so. I mean, come on, man. You may have painted, but <laughs> you are not a painter. You should have paid somebody to do that. So it is with a child of God to say they can go out in this world and commit a whole bunch of sin. It should be awkward. Everybody should know that ain't right. Well, the problem is so many people claim it. First John, a verse you know very well. Love not the world, nor the things of the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father's not in him. You know what that is a sign of? That you've been regenerated and born again. 
You say, well, that doesn't mean that it doesn't mean you're not saved. Read the context of the letter. Absolutely it does. If you get to the point where you love the world more than the things of God, you got a problem. A faith that fizzles had a flaw from the first. A faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. The Sunday school lesson was right. There's a saving faith, and it endures. It'll hold up under scrutiny. The false, they waste our time because they don't need counsel. They need to be born again. John said they were among us, but they were never of us. For if they were of us, they would have remained with us. But their going revealed exactly which side of the line they're on. I contend this morning that there's going to come a time when it will become very apparent which side of the line every one of us is on. Which is why we have over and over the command and the admonishment to check ourselves and make sure that what we've got is what we say we've got. Luke 9, 62, Jesus said, anyone putting a hand to the plow and looking back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Say, what does that mean? It's a really nice way to say those who backslid never did slide first. And never slid forward. You say, well, I know somebody got caught up in sin. Yep. And the distinguishing mark is we confess it. If anyone sins, we've got an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ our Lord. Are you more sensitive to your sin now that you say you've been saved than you were before? I mean, yeah, we sin, and when it does, it taunts us. We can't even go live right, do right, until we go make those things right with the Lord. And that's one of the marks. The Apostle Paul warned Timothy. He said, they wouldn't endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust would heed to themselves teachers having itching ears, turning from the truth and turned unto fables. Who is they? The they is not the false religions. The they is unregenerate church members who are among them. In other words, Timothy would be preaching to people that said they had something that they didn't have, and it was going to make life very difficult. Unfortunately, that truth is fulfilled in our our day. John 8 leads to the problem. Notice the not so subtle difference. This belief, again, not intellectual assent, but it is something that is a complete and trusting life. It's a complete and trusting everything we've learned of the gospel to just embrace Jesus Christ. It is a laying at his feet. Lord, I cannot save myself. Lord, will you do this for me? It's the publican who prayed, Lord, be merciful to me, the sinner. And it's God doing that in you. And when he does, there's a definite radical change. Again, no way that the life of God could be in the soul of man if that were not so. They answered him, we be. We be Abraham's descendants. Now, since we left New York, I haven't run into many Jews, but I tell you what, I've grown up a lot of people who say, well, I grew up missionary Baptist. I hear a lot of people who say, well, I sat under so-and-so. Well, I, I did such and such. It didn't matter my dad was Tim Binion or that I grew up in Missionary Baptist Church. I was a sinner, and the grace and the mercy of our Lord saved me. We can trust the wrong things. Oh, I'm thankful I grew up Missionary Baptist, but it wouldn't save me. I'm thankful Brother Reynolds came down and helped in that revival, but he didn't save me. You know what he said? And I've read the tapes. I've got the tapes, which is very cool. I love old tapes of that revival meeting. You know what he said? He said, do you have the sense enough to know when the Holy Spirit is moving amongst God's people? Do you have the sense to know when the Holy Spirit of God is moving amongst his people? 
And that caught me in my tracks. See, I got an aunt who had more influence on me than any of the preachers I knew. She had Down syndrome. If you know anything about Down syndrome, she couldn't read. She couldn't hardly, I mean, she couldn't speak that great. She couldn't, I mean, I was a straight A student. It didn't matter. There was something that was in her that I couldn't explain. And anytime she got to testifying, got on fire for the Lord, it convicted me like crazy because she had something that I did not have. And that is the very reason why we as believers are encouraged to walk in the way of holiness, that there is to be a distinguishing mark amongst us who are the saints of God and those who are sinners and have not been born again. See, here's the thing. Linguistically, when we say carnal Christian or saintly sinner, or unbelieving believer, those are actually oxymorons. Oxymorons. Meaning, let me say it this way, and it's not grammatically correct, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. You're either in or you're out. You're either saved or you're lost. Either you've been born again or you remain dead in your trespasses and sins. And the part of the problem we have today, and we have so much confusion, don't we not? Do we not? And it's all over our churches. I assure you this, that God is not the author of confusion. He's not. You know what we've done? We have blurred the distinction between a saint and a sinner. That's the problem. This nature must be changed. These Jews, the truth is, They were so self-deceived, they didn't even have any idea. Historically, they had already been endangered and enslaved to Babylon. For 150 years, Jeremiah preached the truth that nobody wanted to hear, and he got thrown in a pit, and funny, 150 years later, it came past. Wow. They were enslaved to Egypt. They were enslaved to Assyria. And at that very time, they were enslaved to Rome. And they said, we've never been enslaved to any man. How do you dare say to us, you shall be free? You know, one of the most loving things you can do, one of the most loving things you can say is ask somebody, you sure you got what you say you got? My mom did that to me. I was in high school. Started walking crooked. I was mean. (laughs) Imagine that. (laughs) Are you sure you got what you say you got? Oh, man, the Holy Spirit of God convicted me. I went to my room, and, man, I prayed, and I prayed. And you know what? It confirmed, yeah, it's what I had was the real deal, but I had taken my eyes off the Lord. You ever experienced that? Doesn't he have a way of bringing you around, bringing you right back to the truth? The more that these people talked, though, the more it was, it was absolutely obvious that the people hadn't experienced what they said they did. And here's the problem about this idea of a simple gospel. I understand 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul says that there is simplicity in Christ, that there is nothing to be added or taken from the gospel message, but the gospel itself is not simple. People try to water down the message because it makes us feel good in our flesh, but here's the problem. If you strip the gospel away from God's law, away from the fact that God is absolutely righteous and we're not, we need the the imputed righteousness of Christ. If we try to water down the gospel and there is not a full disclosure of the gospel, then people will deceive themselves. And that has happened historically for many, many years. Well, you can't question it. James said, faith without works is what? Is everybody sleep? sleep? I don't know. Y'all don't have a clock up there. I'm able to go all day. James said, 
faith without works is dead. Jesus said, our Lord said this, you will know them by their fruit. It is impossible for a bad tree to bring good fruit or for a good tree to bring back bad fruit. John the Baptist said, bring me meat of repentance. Prove it. I mean, I'm not from Missouri, but I tell you what, so many people blabbing and grabbing, I'm saying, really show me. Show me. Show me what you got is real. Because, man, I've seen that my entire life. And you know what? If you're missing it, you need to find it. We're not doing anybody any favors by pretending that everything's okay when it's not. Blessed assurance. No fruit, no root. Bad fruit, bad root. Ain't a fruit, ain't a root. (laughs) You ain't got nothing. There must be a permanent attachment to Christ. These Jews, they continuously sinned because they were enslaved to their sin. There is only one way to go from a slave of sin to a slave of righteousness, and that is for the new birth. That's why Jesus was saying the Son shall make you free and you shall be free indeed. Because you either come to him and he changes you or you're missing it completely. And even in his day, there were people who had their toes right up to the gate. In other words, they had heard the truth over and over and over and over again. But their faith fell fall short of actual saving faith in Christ. And we need to make sure that the people that are in our, fr- that are our friends, our families, our co-workers. You say, well, you don't know nobody's heart. No, you don't. But we've been called to inspect fruit, and that fruit rotten. You not you might want to check it. Why? Because it's loving. It really is. I care more that people get saved than whether they like me or not. I mean, this is a truth that, that I've paid for a couple of times. And I'll do so gladly again. Because we need to be woken up to this reality. That not everybody saying, Lord, Lord's getting into heaven. Only those who do the will of the Father. When evil is confronted today, just like then, sparks will fly. Verse 34, verily, verily, I say unto you, whoever commits sin is the servant of sin. Now, that's not an oops. We all oops. (laughs) Noah fell many times in the ark, but he never fell out of the ark. Amen? (laughs) You know? You might do some slip slide, but you ain't going to fall completely out and go sink. No. And oops, it's different than continual habitual sin. Notice that this is in present tense participle. In present tense means what? It's not just you messed up in the past. Thank God, God forgives us of our past. It's not that they were just messing up in the present because thank God there's mercy in the present. And it, and it wasn't that we weren't, aren't going to sin in the future once we get home, you know, omission and commission. But the grace of God is this, that we care that sin bothers us, that we're convicted of it, and we want to change, and God help us to live in conformity to Christ, because is that not what we're going after? God, I fall short on this, and I fall short on that, but Lord, help me to be more like you. Amen? These Jews, though, they were just completely missing it. We're not enslaved. Well, Paul says, what then? 
Have you ever heard anybody say this? Well, we are now under, we're not under law, we're under grace. You may ever say that? Everybody heard anybody say that? Well, we are not under law, we're under grace. That is only true if you've been saved. Furthermore, Paul said, what more? Shall we sin more? Since we're not under law, but under grace? God forbid, but thank God you obeyed that doctrine that was delivered unto you and that though you were slaves of sin, you are now what? Slaves of righteousness. See, once you have been washed by the blood of the Lamb, you're going to have a very hard time identifying yourself by that sin He set you free from. Will you not? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, Paul said there's a whole bunch of different types of people that are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Liars, drunkards, effeminate, homosexual, you know the verse. Bottom line is this, he says, but such were some of you. In other words, you were like this, but thank God when you got the real deal, you are not that way anymore. We've come today where we allow certain things that we should never have been allowed to allow. And I go through, through the song books and, and notice, and you study the authors of some of the songs that we sing, we shouldn't be singing. We shouldn't. It gets obvious. Sometimes I guess I sing so loud that if there's ever songs I quit singing, everybody's looking around going, hmm? My point is this, we need discernment as God's people. Why? Because I believe this issue is going to continue to get worse. It's not going to get better. The more we stand, the more we uphold the standard, the more we hold to the word of God in an evil society that's gone completely bonkers, it's going to be harder to hold the line. And we need to expect it. We need to expect it. God be thanked. Such were some of you. First John 3, 6, where whoever. Hey, there is no telling where any of us would be if God had not saved us, amen? You with me? Man, I tell you what, if the Lord had not saved me, I would be in a gang in Memphis, Tennessee, locked up, no telling for what. Some of you aren't any different. You've been the same way. But thank God for his mercy and grace, Amen. Thank God the truth shall set you free when you get a hold of the real deal. It will. 1 John 3, 6, Whoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Let no one deceive you. Let no one deceive you. Whoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he can't sin because he's born of God. Why can't he? Because God chastises his own. He brings you back. He disciplines you. All right, let's bring this to... What do we do? I mean, what do we do with a text, like, a text like this? For me, listening to that preacher from 1987, I knew I had to preach it. I wanted to preach something nice. I told Ashley, I want to preach Psalm 1. I mean, I want to preach something nice to really edify the people and encourage them to remain steadfast unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. I wanted them to know how excited I am that God is... I told Brad before he came here, man, Old Union is a sleeping giant. The Holy Spirit just wakes some of them up. You've got some of the most influential people in this town, from the gym to the workplace. I tell you what, they start talking and testifying about the Lord Jesus Christ. There could be revival in Bowling Green, Kentucky. There has been before, and God could do it again. God ain't changed. But I saw even in Psalm 1, there's a huge contrast between those who are saved, how blessed is the man who walks, who sitteth not. You know that one, Psalm 1. 
and a major distinction between those who really don't know the Lord. So what do we do? We make sure that we have made our calling and our election sure. That's what we do. Why? Because in so doing, we appreciate all the more what God has done for us. We did not do it in of ourselves. There was nothing that we could ever merit. There was nothing we could ever earn. I mean, we couldn't figure it out, let alone ever deserve it. You know? I mean, so what? Your, your granddaddy is a deacon, and his granddaddy was a deacon, and dad's a preacher. And that earns you no favor with God. Absolutely none. You know, the only way you ever experience it for his, is for his love and his mercy. To look upon a sinner such as we were and to forgive us. The grace of God hath appeared unto every man. How did we get it? And others don't. Not because we're special, but just because of his unmerited favor. For it's by grace through faith that you're saved, that not of yourselves. It is the what? Gift of God. Gift describes, identifies what? Faith. That faith that saves could never come in and of ourselves. It came directly from God. The moment we turn from our sins and put our faith and trust in what he did in sending his son to die for us and trusting Christ and Christ alone. I mean, if you've been truly saved, we have reason to rejoice and praise God with all that we got from the very bottom of our heart. Second, we need discernment because times will get worse. Here's the thing. Growing up in church and young people listen to me, because I've wondered many, many times and prayed that God would just show me why. You ever prayed God why? Why? Just why? Not that that's a very wise thing to ask, because it's not. But he will sometimes let you know. Here's the thing. Some of the worst things that we could ever do is shield people from the test, the trials, the persecutions, the hardships of this life. Why? Because if they're real, they will grow. And if they're not... They will wither, they will die, and they will reveal what they really are. Here's the point. How much revival would we see if we just went after our church roles? I'm saying in praying that people would actually possess what they professed. Man, I'm telling you, that would turn some of our churches all the way around. This is a common problem, and yet we really find no easy solution Safe people won't fall away. They won't. They'll have hardships. They will. But thank God, in the lowest times of val- the lowest valleys, God has a way of letting you know who your friends are. And I thank you. I hope you understand. Let he with ear, <laughs> let him hear. I thank you. From the bottom of my heart, I thank you. In the hardest times of your life, if you're a true child of God, he will put people around you that this may not be saying it right, but like Moses' arms with Aaron and and they'll hold you up before the throne of God if you can't seem to reach him yourself. I thank God for those kind of people. We need to be that kind of friend. We need to reach out and help people. Obedience will be obvious because God said this. He said that the very assurance, the very reality, the very essence of the new covenant, of God taking out the old heart and putting in the new heart. He said, I will put my spirit in them. And not only that, I will cause them to walk in my statues. You say, what does that mean? 
Will God make you obey his word? Yeah, he will if, he's one of your, if you're one of his. Your mama ever made you obey? Daddy ever made you obey? Then why wouldn't we expect God to cause us to obey? You can reject him. You can refuse him. Just like that preacher in 1987 that said, you know what, when we don't receive, if we will not listen to the word of God, we will only hurt ourselves. Many people have. Well, what do we do? Let's praise God today. If you haven't been saved, I don't know, Brother Danny, as you get a song, I'm, I'm wrapping it up. I pray that the Spirit will use this message today. I know where the message came from. I pray that it will be received. I pray that it will keep you safe, that it will protect you, that it will edify you to keep walking and keep doing what's right. Why? Because it may not feel like it, but I assure you that God will reward it. Keep holding to the truth. Just as you are. Perhaps we have friends or family members that we question. Pray about it. And if God should lead you, go talk to them. Hey, I ain't trying to make you mad. You know, that crazy preacher came Sunday and he was preaching this truth to me. And you know what? I want to make sure that you're okay. You can hate me. You can be mad at me. You can spit on me. You can run me out on a pole. It don't matter. I want everybody to know where they're going when they die. Not self-deceived. Not confused, but no, beyond a surety. When they die, their faith in Christ will take them to heaven. So when we have a song, if you're here this morning and you haven't been saved, the altar won't save you. It's a great place to pray. But I encourage you to pray and put saving faith in Jesus Christ. It ain't easy. But when you hear the word of God and the Holy Spirit convicts you of your sins, if you will ask him, maybe you're not convicted. Maybe you haven't been convicted in a long time. One of the things that preacher said is this. If you are not convicted right now, but you have not been saved, you will end up in hell just as much as you would if you were heavily under conviction. You need to pray that God will convict you and convict you to the point that you have a broken heart and a contrite spirit, that you will entrust everything you've got to him and that he'd save you.